All right, there we go. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Hope everyone's doing well, having a great weekend. Summer's already here, and I say boo to that because I don't want the heat. I would be happy to have it, you know, 70 degrees all year. Maybe, and I, I, like, I wouldn't mind snow every year, too. So when we went um, a couple weeks ago, we were blessed to be able to go out and go on vacation. We went to the Grand Canyon, and when we flew into to Las Vegas, it was 92 degrees there. And it sounds, oh, that sounds hot. I was riding with my windows down, listening to my Jesus music. I really was. And, um, and, while, and it just felt so good. Uh, even at 92 degrees, I'm like, why can't it be no humidity in New Orleans? <laughs> People say, oh, it's, it's still hot. No, 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 no. There is nothing like, you know, 98 degrees with 100% humidity, standing in the shade, just dripping wet. And so... Um, but it was nice going on vacation. It was nice being back. Thanks, Stefan, for, um, for the introduction. And um, I do love hanging out with, this, with, with, um, with your kids. I really do. It's, they're, they're a blast. It's a lot of fun. Um, we, we learned about Jesus back there. Um, I don't talk very much different back there than I do here, except maybe I'll go a little bit more in depth. Sure, we play games. If you want to have a three-legged race, we can do that this morning. That's what they're doing back there for one of the games. But I think we're all a little bit older and we might break something. So, um, Pastor Stefan says that he's not quite that old yet. It's like, there's a freedom with getting older because I can wear socks with sandals and not care. <laughs> can I get a witness up in here? I'm just like, I do not care if I particularly look cool. Now, my daughter may go, oh my gosh, Dad, what are you doing? So, but isn't that one of the fun things about being a dad is that you get to embarrass your kids? It really is great. I got to tell this one story real quick. This is totally off topic. I'm keeping an eye on the time. Um, but I, was, I took Ava to dance. Normally, I don't get to take her to dance. And there's this big window there, so you get to watch them and everything. And as they're teaching them, you know, the lady's teaching them, I could tell they're struggling a little bit, you know. Sometimes when they're learning something, they're very stiff, you know. And I, and I could tell the teacher's trying to get them to, like, you know, kind of flow, move their body. Roll the, and so when Ava was coming back over to the window, I was like, hey. And I mimicked the move. <laughs> What was even funnier, though, was the fact that the teacher goes, hey, that dad has it. Whose dad is that? <laughs> Which I couldn't hear this, but I just see Ava going, it's mine, you know. <laughs> and so afterwards, I was like, yes, that is so awesome. <laughs> oh, man. But it is good to be here, and we do have two wonderful kids. I know I don't get to be in here very often, but Ava and Mordecai, our, our wonderful children that the Lord uh, blessed us with being able to adopt. One look at them and you can tell that they're, you know, they're not from us. Um, but when you hang around, you can tell they're from us because they act like us. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but, but that's what it is. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, open up your Bibles or turn on your phones, however you want to do it, and open up to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel 37. Um, we're starting a series this morning entitled, Our Favorite Bible Stories. Our Favorite Bible Stories. Um, stories are wonderful things, especially in the Bible, when we find a favorite Bible story. And I don't know about you, but for me, when it's my favorite Bible story, it, it, it becomes one of my favorite Bible stories because that it has impacted my life. It's gone from being up here to being down here. 
And see, and that's the power of a favorite story. And if I would ask you for your favorite scripture or your, for your favorite passage or your favorite parable or Bible story, any, I, I would almost guarantee that the ones that you mention are the ones that have impacted your life. It's the ones that, that, that help shape you, that help form you, that help make you into who you are. And it helps guide your... It's one of the ones that helps guide your feet or guide your, 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 the way you talk or the way you think or kind of helps shape your core values in life. That's what those favorite Bible stories are. You know, some of them might be nostalgia, you know, thinking about the old school... This was even before me, but, you know, the little the little felt cutouts that they put on the Sunday school boards, you know, to tell the stories of the Bibles. But think about it for a second. What's your favorite Bible stories? What's your favorite passage? Someone throw one out to me. What's your favorite passage? What's your favorite Bible story? Gideon. Very good. Love it. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. A couple more. Anyone else? David and Goliath. Yes. We all fight our giants. It's good to know that we can win. Well, anyone else? One other. Esther. Book of Esther. Yeah, for such a time as this. Great stuff. A couple of, for me, um, one of them is the parable of the persistent widow going before the judge time and time again. I need justice. Just a picture of us going before God time and time again. You know, God, it's a, it teaches us persistence. That it's not about doing it one time. It, you know, it may not happen at one time, but going before over and over and over again, persisting in the, in the fight that you're in. One of my other, another favorite story of mine is found in Mark chapter 9 of the dad who, whose boy was, was demon-possessed and the disciples couldn't cast it out. And, and Jesus says, all things are possible if you believe. Uh, and, um, well, before that, and he says, before that, he says, um, if you can do it, yes, the Lord, please do it. It's like, if you can, what do you mean? All things are possible for those who believe. And then the man says, yes, I believe. Help my unbelief. And some people, how can you have belief and unbelief? I do. I do. The Bible's not a story of, it doesn't, it's not a book filled with superheroes. It's with people who are struggling. It's with people who live in real life. And I love the fact, I'm so thankful for the fact that someone said, yes, I believe, help my unbelief. Unbelief doesn't mean that you don't believe. It just means that there's struggle there. You know, it, doesn't, it means that your faith isn't perfected yet. Another one of my favorite stories is in 1 Samuel 13 and 14 with Jonathan and his armor bearer. I love that. When they, all of Israel is basically fleeing and scared and hiding and King Saul isn't doing anything about it. And Jonathan looks over and sees a couple of armies, a couple of armies, and he and his armor bearer go, hey, let's go check this out. Like, what? <laughs> you got to go check this out? And, you know, and, and his armor bearer, and what I love about it, because it just teaches service, his armor bearer says, let's go. I'm with you all the way. Just teaches the power of, of unity, of, of having someone there with you who has your back, that, that cord of three strands that can't be quickly torn apart. You know, maybe that one. Or maybe it's the three Hebrew children. The three Hebrew children. I love that passage because and it's not the fact that they got delivered that I love about it. It's the fact that when they're getting ready to be thrown in and they say, they say, know this, O king, that, that my God can deliver. He can. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow. Because that's the attitude that we need to have right now. 
Maybe it's, I love Ephesians chapter 1. It's so powerful talking about God choosing us, adopting us. Romans chapter 8 talks about the power of God's love in our lives. Your favorite Bible stories. Well, as I thought about all of those, it was fun. You know, some of my favorites, I really struggled because I just felt like, no, that's not what you're speaking about. I'm like, really? You know, those are some of my favorites, God. <laughs> and, and he just brought me to Ezekiel chapter chapter 37. Ezekiel 37. Um, and Ezekiel, the, the, the book of Ezekiel was written by Ezekiel, and it was during the time when Judah was in bondage, was in captive to Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar's rule. Um, and and the, whole, the whole book is basically a lot of prophecy. The first, first 24 or so chapters are prophesying by Ezekiel about the punishment that's coming to the Jewish people. And then the next few chapters are, 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 talk, are prophesied about God's punishment on the nations for punishing the Jewish people. And then the last few chapters, chapters 33 through 48, talk about God, uh, the restoration of Judah, the restoration of God's people. God is, has you know, given up his anger, and, and he says, now it's time to restore you. And in one of these chapters, that's where we find ourselves. And these glasses are for looking far away, not for looking close up. And this is what it says in Ezekiel chapter 37. It says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me around among the old dry bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. And then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. I want to stop just for a second, briefly. So many people, when I was reading different commentaries and different stuff, there's like, oh, that's such a statement of faith by, by Ezekiel saying, you know, oh, Lord, you know that, you, only you know, you know, as if it was a statement of, and I'm like, I don't get that when I read that. And again, I firmly believe, and I think Scripture shows this, that the Bible is not filled with superheroes. The, the Bible is filled with common everyday people who go through issues, and not people who are super necessarily men of faith every second of their life. And to me, when I read that one thing, it says, oh God, only you know. And, and I stop here because I, th I think this is important. Is, you know, that it, to me, I see a statement by the prophet as a one of submission and trust. You know, the prophet's hesitating answer probably reveals the struggle between faith and sight. That's what we deal with every day, between faith and sight. Faith say, says, okay, Lord, you're, I'm, you know, you're omnipotent, so obviously you could do whatever you want. But he's like, man, I'm looking at these bones. There's a lot of bones, and they're awfully dry. You know, between hope and fear, which was in his mind. And, of course, he's not going to say, no, God, I don't think you could do that. You know, I don't think they can live. He's not going to go that far. Uh, for that would be to limit the power of him who he knows to be omnipotent. And also to shut out the last gleam of hope from his own mind. He's not going to just say no. And yet the possibility of resurrection, yet in the presence of that crazy hopeless seeming scene that we see there, is, is there really a possibility of resurrection? You know, and I think Ezekiel does what we all do sometimes in such a case when we when we know God's can do the impossible, yet we see reality to some degree sitting at us, he just, he throws it back to God. He says, 
God, I trust you. You know, it's in your hands what you want to do. And, and I like that because, again, I'm not a superhero. I'm not a superhero, one that, you know, is perfect or one that is always have perfect faith or, or never struggles. And so I'm glad when I see people in the Bible um, who are just honest and just says, Lord, you know if it can happen or not. Anyway, so let's keep going. He says, then he said to me in verse 4, speak to these bones. Say that. Say, speak to these bones. And say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to breathe into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke these words just as he told me. And suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as they had been before. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak to the winds and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath. Say that with me. Say, come, O breath. From the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke as he commanded me. And the wind entered the bodies and they began to breathe. They all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army of them. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Now give them this message from the sovereign Lord. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of, of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You will see that I have done everything just as I have promised. I, the Lord, have spoken. I, the Lord, have spoken. Can I tell you something? And I can stop after this if you want. God is interested in bringing the dead back to life. God is interested in bringing the dead back to life. He is. He wants to see dead things brought back to life in you. In you. That's his desire. That's his desire. This story is a picture of death being brought back to life. And look, guys, everyone in this place right now, I want you to begin to get your mind focused on the end of this message. Get your mind focused on the end when we come up to these altars and pray. Because there's going to be a time in this service when God speaks to you and says, I want to breathe life back into that. And right now you begin to say, you know, you can get your, your, your Christianity shackles up and say, you know, well, there's nothing dead in me. There's nothing dead in me. And I've literally had people say stuff like that to me before. When I said something about people that... Christians are still sinners, and the person came up to me and says, I don't want to say that I'm a sinner. I'm like, it's like, I understand, but 
if we confess, then he forgives. I don't know. We'll get into that later. But whether or not you have been saved, whether or not whether you are not saved at all, or you've been serving God for fifty or more years, there's things in you that need to be brought to life. Prepare now for the end of the message. And listen, this isn't a message of accusation. This isn't a message saying, you know, you have dead things in your life. Because first of all, I'm saying we. I'm saying me. I'm saying I. I need this desperately. Not just as, you know, a speaker up here saying, you know, trying to, you know, make it sound like he's part of the club. No, I desperately need God to breathe life into me today. So please, please, please don't get up here thinking, well, well, Mike's just, you know, point fingers and he's just saying we're dead or we have sin or this. No, this is a message of restoration. The, one of the very first things I said is God is interested in bringing the dead back to life. He's interested in bringing the dead back to life. So the question is, how do dead bones come back to life? How do dead bones come back to life? Well, the first thing I want to talk about this morning, and it goes back to this, just our scripture, is that, is that this passage paints a picture of God's people in, in, in disarray. It's what it is. Even, even just in the description, it talks about that Ezekiel was brought to a valley, to a low place, you know, which is symbolic of, of just a down place, you know, of a place of hurting and pain. I mean, where, it, where Judah was living, where the Jewish people were living, Man, they were living in Babylon. They were living in the area of the enemy, in a place that was godless or worship, or even worse, worshipped foreign gods. God allowed them, at the time of the writing, God's people were captive. And God allowed them to be taken captive because of the sinful choices that they were making. And some of us, you know, the, the, the valley that we find ourselves in is of our own making. It's our own making. But can I once again tell you that God's not up there just going, mm-hmm, told you so. Though he has every right to because he did tell us so before we made that choice. But he's up there and saying, I want to breathe life into you again. I want to take those areas and breathe life into you again. So hold on to that. And see, in this world is just so crazy. I love it and I hate it at the same time. I love the beauty of God's creation. I love seeing things like the Grand Canyon or, or just, it's wonderful. But then when we look at the world around us and the, and the junk that is in it, and the continuous fight that bombards our spirituality, our Christianity, the things that are an affront to God that's all around us, that tempt us. Let's be real. It tempts us. Sin is fun. Okay, it is. It starts off that way, but you've all heard it said that it takes you farther than you want to go, right? There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end leads to death. The world around us is, this world, sometimes it's of our own choosing, but sometimes it's just the world around us is attacking us, and and, and it, it puts us in disarray. This is a picture of God's people in disarray. Once again, God is interested in bringing the dead back to life, even when it's by our own choices. Even by our own choices. So, God's people are in disarray. So, what we need to do to begin the process 
of bringing dead bones back to life is acknowledge the situation. If we look at our passage, God doesn't say, God doesn't say, I want you to walk around in this, in this beautiful valley filled with living people that, that smell nice and are walking around being friendly to each other. No, he walks around and over and over again says, look at these dry bones. Look at these dry bones. I know this sometimes goes contrary to what we hear on a regular basis, um, but God doesn't deny the situation. And sometimes for you and I, it does more harm than us to good to try and deny the situation to, in, in order to speak good things over our life. Does that make sense? I know we sometimes all want to say, oh, I want to, I want, I want to speak health over my life. I want to. There's a difference between speaking to God and a difference between speaking to our flesh or to the devil. When we speak to the devil, you know, we, we want to say, we want to speak life. We want to speak, you know, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not sick. I'm healed in Jesus' name. When we're speaking to our flesh, it's like, no, no, I have victory in my life right now. I am victorious. I am holy. I am righteous. I am pure. That's what we do when we're talking to our flesh that we're trying to get back into order. That's what we do when we're talking to the enemy who's trying to discourage us. Although I will say this real quick, that if you ever want to stop an argument, just agree with the person who's arguing with you. So if you want to shut Satan up, say, you're nothing but a sinner. You just, you're right, I am, thank you. But I have Jesus. What's he going to say after that? Well, well you know... <laughs> I'll mess with my kids sometimes. <laughs> they're like, Dad, I bet you can't tickle me. You're right. And they're like, oh, man. <laughs> um, so, yes. Uh, but don't deny the situation. So when, but when we're before God, I do not believe that there's anything wrong with just saying, God, my bones are desperately dry. God, I am struggling today. God, I'm struggling today. Please help me. God, this is the situation. Look at my bills. Look at, look at the lack of spirituality in my life. God, I am dead and I need you. I think that's what we see in this passage. God says, speak to the dry bones. He's not denying it. He doesn't say this. You know, we like to speak what we are in God, but we don't like to acknowledge how we are currently walking it out. And there's value in just saying, God, this is where I am right now. Can you do something? Can these bones live, God? Because only you know. This is the reality of my life. 2 Corinthians 1, 9 and 10 says, Indeed, our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Again, we feel these things, and when we acknowledge it before God, He can begin to do something in our life. Listen, we like to acknowledge the world is in sin, but not us. We don't want to think about those things. Or we like to, you know, pray for other people who are going through issues, but we don't want to be vulnerable enough to say, God, these are my issues. Admit where we are, and God can move. Deny it, and we tie God's hands. Ezekiel didn't say, oh, God, these bones are fine. No, these bones are fine. They're not dry. They're all right. Isaiah 66, 
The second part of it says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. James 4.6 says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Go before God and say, this is what's going on, God. It reminds me of another one of my favorite stories in the Bible where the two people go into the temple and one of them, one of them, a, 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 a tax collector, a sinner, he goes down and he, and he kneels before the altar and he cries out and he says, God, God, please, Lord, have mercy upon me, a miserable sinner. I need you, Jesus. And he cries out to him. And then there's the righteous one standing over here who, who, who looks over in disdain at the sinner and says, God, thank you that I'm not like him. Whose prayer did God hear? The humble and contrite who cried out before him. So when we're going through stuff, focus on the fact that God says, that this passage says in Ezekiel 37, God is interested in bringing the dead back to life. In our lives, he doesn't want us to wallow in the muck. And, and, and he wants to take you and raise you back up and, and to give you the life. We know that the word says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. So we see a picture of God's people in disarray. And the next thing is a picture of God's power on display. Think about it. You want to talk about a scene that would put all of these 4K graphics to shame? Standing in the middle of a valley filled with bones, and Ezekiel speaks and prophesies to the bones, and they stand up. And, and tendons and muscles begin to form over their whole body. And skin begins to form over their whole body. And then he prophesies to the four winds, and it says, Breathe, breathe, O wind. And all of a sudden, there's a deep inhale. And all of a sudden, the, the bodies begin to move around. And there's a mighty army that's standing there. That, my friend, is what's called a mic drop. Thank you very much. That is God's power on display. Let me tell you a secret. He wants to do it for you. Nothing will bring him joy like letting his power be on display for you. Verse 9 says, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. Just to let you know, this is the exact same words that God uses in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when it says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. You see, God is interested in bringing us back from the dead. Those areas in your life that are struggling, even when it's because of your own, our own choices, he says, I want to bring it back to life. See, this is what we need. We are not good people in need of a quick fix. We are dead people in need of life. We're dead people in need of life. Even after we get saved, I know this, look, I know we have the life in us, but yet there's that walking out part that we struggle with. Yes, you are perfect. God in Christ has made you perfect right now, this very moment. But in our day-to-day -day walk, we struggle. We're difficult. We, we, we struggle with difficulties. But God 
wants to bring those dead things back to life. Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. Man, we need life. We're dead people in need of life. Every day, even as Christians, we need His life in us. That's why fasting makes sense. That's the only way fasting makes sense. Because it does not make sense to say, hey, I'm going to give up food and it's going to make me better. That does not make sense. I'm going to give up food and somehow that's going to help bring me victory in my family. The world goes, what? What are you talking about? But it makes sense when we understand that we are dead people who need God's life in us. That's why Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on the words that come from God's mouth. Romans 4, 7 says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. He calls those things that are not as if they are. That's the power of God. That's the power of a God who can, who can do something. And listen, 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 listen. This is the key. This verse in John chapter 5, verse 25. It says, Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Church, I want to hear. I want to hear those words being spoken to me. I want God to speak those words of life into me so that those dead areas inside of me will begin to bloom like a, like a, a field in the springtime. I want to hear God speak those words to me so those things that I struggle with will be brought to life and the, and the, and the chains will be broken. I want those words to be spoken to me. You see, and the last thing it says is a picture of God's pathway of deliverance. That's what this passage is. A picture of God's pathway of deliverance. Verse 4 says, and over and over in our passage, it says, dry bones, listen to the word of God. That's the pathway of deliverance. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. That's, that's it. There's no secret. I just saved you a lot of money from buying all these books about, you know, the secret life of prosperity and Christianity. Listen to the Word of God. There's no secret. That would be like a one-page book, one sentence. $19.99. But wait, you can have two of them for the same price if you want. Listen to the Word of God. Once again, very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will, lead, will, will live. But the thing is, and this is the key, James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Guys, we need to begin to walk this out. We need to begin to walk it out. I heard someone once say years and years ago that we are educated beyond obedience. We have lots of it up here, but we don't have it here. That's why we need to get into God's Word and pray and ask Him to let these stories that we're reading become our favorite stories. Let it, let it affect our lives because God wants to bring the dead back to life in us. 
He wants to speak those words of truth in us, to give life, to give hope, so that we're not discouraged, but that we're walking in the abundant life that God has for us if we cry out to Him. Miss Amber, if you can come on back up again. There you are. Sorry, I don't know why I didn't see you in the very front row. It's about repentance, guys. It's about pursuing holiness. And repentance is two-part. It's about forsaking the world and pursuing God. Forsaking the world and pursuing God. And I don't want you to, again, please don't get this. Well, I'm not in some deep, dark sin. I'm not saying that you are. But on a daily basis, we should get in a habit of repenting, of, of trying to push off the world and pursue God. Push off the world and pursue God. Because we are all, for the rest of our lives, we are going to be overcoming this dead world that we're living in. And we're overcoming this, these dry bones that are trying to rise up inside of us. And I know so often when we hear the word, word repent, we think, God, if there's anyone unsaved in here that needs to repent, help them. But can I tell you something? 2 Chronicles seven fourteen is still true. It says, if my people who were called by my name will them humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Guys, let's cry out to him. Cry out to him saying, God, speak life to me. God, I am, I am dry bones. I need you. I need you. And Moses sought God every day. He went in there every day. He was a man who literally saw God. And yet he spent time seeking him every day, every day, every day. He talked about going up the mountain of God. We need to experience God. That's when it becomes real. In verse 13 in our passage, this is what it says. It says, you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and make you come up out of them, my people. We've got to get it past here and into here. And that only happens through the power of God. That only happens through God doing something in our lives and God bringing some of those dead areas in us back to life. Back to life, guys. That's what it's about bringing it back to life. I'm so glad that I serve a God that is interesting in bringing the dead back to life because that's what I need every day of my life. Every day I need his life to be filled with in, inside of me because I live in a world that just completely tries to hammer me down over and over again, over and over again. Can't watch TV without having to explain junk to your kids. You can't walk outside. You can't turn on the TV. You can't... Man, everywhere we look, death is bombarding us. Look, it's, we don't need to walk around here defeated. Again, there's a difference between 
how we speak of ourselves before the world and Satan in our flesh. And there's a different than when we speak before God. When we before God, I want to come humbly before him because when I do that, he's going to help me. But when I stand before Satan and or, or the world, I'm going to, yes, I'm going to speak life. But this morning, we're coming before God. We're coming before God. And he wants to see How many of you have kids? Raise your hand. When they were little and they wanted to be picked up, what did they do? Came and said, Help me, Dad. That's what this morning is. What areas in our lives right now do we need God in? And are we humble enough to come before him and say, this is what I need you in? Just been coming to me since I've been studying, and this morning again, there's marriages that are going to be brought back to life. And I don't know, I don't know all the names of everyone here, and so all I know is God's saying that there's marriages that are going to be brought back to life. Maybe they're not as bad as you may think, you know, but, but God says it's going to be even better. Or maybe you do like all of us do sometimes. And you come in here and, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. It's going great. You know, you know how to put that smile on like we've all done before, even though we're miserable inside. It's going great. Yeah, it's going great. Thanks. It's going great. But there's death there sometimes. Would you bow your heads with me all across this place?